Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. This is everything you need for tips, tricks, and things to just be generally awesome. I'm your host, Amanda. And I'm your host, Claire. And this is RDH Bites. Hey, everybody. This is your host, Amanda Mitchell. Welcome back to another episode of RDH Bites. This week, we are going over part two of change theory, and we have our wonderful guest, Stacey Janice, back today. So let's go ahead and jump back in. Okay, so now that we have a great overview of the health belief model, let's talk some more about trans-theoretical model or the stages of change. Okay, great. Yeah, so another common scenario that we probably come across a daily and that we could use the trans theoretical model to apply for our patients is consider the scenario. Got a middle-aged female. She comes into your clinic for routine cleaning. She's got heavy interpraximal plaque, generalized bleeding gingiva. She states that she never flosses because it's gross. I have heard that multiple times, not liking to floss because it's gross. (laughs) And then, so how can we take kind of a transtheoretical model and look at a stage our patient might be in and that help lead us into developing a plan for OHI so that we can improve their behavior, ultimately improving their health. So if we look at that pre-contemplation stage, a lot of this is done just by talking to our patients, getting to know them and seeing where they are. The fact that she never flosses because it's gross tells me right away she's probably into that pre-contemplation stage where she has no intention of taking action. And again, a lot of times they're in this this stage because they're uninformed. Mm -hmm. So this is an ideal time to focus on our part as educators and educating our patient about consequences of their behavior. We can do this by explaining just basically what plaque is its effects on the tissue and body and, you know, how your body's immune system responds to it. Yes. I think this is a hard stage because a lot of times our patients, since they're uninterested, we hold back a little bit. I know I do when I feel like someone's not interested in what I'm saying. Sometimes it's really hard to just dive in, but getting into a general explanation of what plaque is, we can show it to them, pull out that mirror and giving them some information. The more informed our patients are, the more likely they are to be move into stage of contemplation. And this is where now they're starting to see some of the value, the benefits, and have an intention to change the behavior in the future. Maybe not right away, but they can see a point. They can see our side of it a little bit. And maybe, okay, maybe I'll start in the next six months or so. So, Stacey, I have a really good story for this. Oh, yes. My very first job out of hygiene school, I had, it was a fast-paced office. We accepted Medicaid. It was, you know, really fast-paced. And one of the front desk gals wanted her teeth cleaned. So I had a no-show and I'm like, hey, come back here, get in, get in my chair. Let's do your cleaning, right? And we get to the end and I'm flossing her teeth. And she goes, Amanda, your gloves smell terrible. And I was like, Oh, that's your breath. Like I didn't even think about it. Right. And I'm like, Oh, that's your breath. But that plaque that sits between the teeth like that. Yeah, it is gross. That's why we need to remove it. So this is a great example of a time a patient skipped pre-contemplation and went right to contemplation and was like, 
I should probably start flossing if that's what it smells like for me leaving all of that in my mouth. Yes. And I think a lot of times that's what it takes. That is your breath. That honesty and just upfront, that is your breath. You know, how often do we hear my gums bleed because of something you're doing or the floss is causing that? And those are both really great ways to take someone right. into contemplation. Yeah. <laughs> and people thinking that bleeding gums is normal. That's not normal. You shouldn't see blood when you brush and floss. So right. yeah, I totally agree there. And, you know, hopefully at this point, your patient starts asking you questions and are just more aware of the problem and more open to feedback, breaking through. A lot of times I, you know, people are just like, I know, I know, I know. And mm-hmm. and, and they're not as open to the feedback in that pre-contemplation. So I love, it's a huge success when they just start becoming more open to feedback. So an example with flossing might be your patient starts considering flossing more and we can start giving them feedback. Well, why don't you do it? Is it is it the materials you have? Is it the type of floss you use? What exactly are those barriers? And we can work to overcome them. After contemplation is kind of set in, then we move into that preparation. And hopefully at this time, you, after your patient's kind of contemplated the bad breath, then they feel motivated. They start feeling motivated to start that action. They want to plan to begin soon. And maybe within the next month, they go out and they start researching flossing techniques, maybe traditional floss, floss picks, different water picks, just different ways that might suit their needs for interproximal cleaning. And they are now aware that it's something that would benefit them. And so... With all that preparation comes action, and this is where we see them starting to put that into effect, and we start noticing these effects, and those effects remain consistent, usually for at least about six months. As the clinical hygienist, we're seeing a significant reduction in plaque, we're seeing reduction in bleeding, and so forth, and so this stage we do want to keep in mind is a new behavior. And so we want to prevent relapse at this point. So we want to recognize our patients. We want to give them positive feedback and just be very motivating during this action phase. Once we start seeing a general change and we see our patient multiple times and that it's apparent that this modification has been made to the patient's lifestyle for at least over six months. We're generally seeing these patients every six months. So we can just go off of our notes, our period charts, et cetera, and see that they are maintaining their progress. Got it. And at which point I know we can all be very proud when our patients are coming in and we're seeing them maintain that behavior. Okay. So I get a lot of questions about what's the major difference between action and maintenance. And one thing, Stacey, that you taught me is that the action is when you and I are seeing signs of improvement whereas maintenance lasts at least six months. That's where that six-month period comes in. And we talked a little bit about how long does it take to form a habit. So this number is really a wide range. It can take as little as three weeks, or it can take up to almost a year. 
So that six month mark is what we're really looking at. And that's also really convenient for us because this is when we see most of our periodontal health patients every six months for a profi. Yeah. And I think, I think that range of days that it can take to be habit is, is a good reminder of just being patient as well. Yes. Because it, it really, it doesn't happen overnight and everybody's going to be a little bit different. Some people are going to be really motivated to do it right away and make those changes and others, it's, it could take a little while. So we have to re- kind of remember that and be patient with them as well. Absolutely. Okay. So we've really gone over the major differences between the health belief model, the trans theoretical model. Is there anything else that you wanted to share about these topics? Any tips for students while they're taking their board exams, things like that? Yeah. Well, I think it's important to know one reason we even want to use these models is because as dental hygienists, the diseases we work with are mostly preventable. Right. And even though we've seen these great strides in reducing dental diseases, we still see this call for a professional response to aid in enhancing oral health as outlined by the 2000 Surgeon General's report on oral health. And so a large percent of the population don't value oral health or really even know why it's important. So they can't recognize signs. They can't recognize symptoms of oral diseases. And if they can't recognize, they really don't understand how to prevent the diseases and even preserve healthy tissue. So understanding those barriers and having a general knowledge of behavior psychology can aid in helping our patients through this process. So um, some of the tips that I think for remembering the health belief model and the trans theoretical model are just some memorizing tips, some memorization type tips. And so know that each situation, and there are, you know, um, numerous situations, and they present with lots of different variables that could impact what's going on for each individual. And some models work better than others. And the two we presented tend to work pretty well with most situations. So... When we're treating them, ways to remember them, I know for trans theoretical model, I think of trance. So to me, that makes me think of transformation. And so we don't transform overnight. It generally happens in stages. So I can kind of go from trans theoretical model, just from transform happening in stages. And then if you can remember PC PAM, then that'll help you remember each stage of pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, and maintenance. The perfect. Other- so this is, sorry to interrupt you. No this problem. is a great time to bring up. This is a perfect wake-up memory alert for students. If we think about transformation as the trans-theoretical model, that's where we're getting change. And then you said it was, what's the acronym? Just PC-PAM. PC-PAM. Okay, that's great to remember those steps. PC-PAM. Thank you. And then did you also, I think you had another one for the health belief model. You know, I think with the the health belief model, a lot of times the answer is right there in the name, belief. And so just remembering that your patient needs to, to believe. They need to believe that they can be susceptible to a condition, they need to believe that it can be severe and have severe consequences. 
They need to believe there is a benefit and, and then this belief that they can overcome the barriers and most importantly, believe in their self. And so with that health belief model, sometimes, you know, you can actually, they'll use the word perception over belief, knowing their perception of susceptibility and severity and benefits and barriers. But in the end, belief is right there in the name of the model. So what they need to believe. Awesome. This is such a great topic. Like I said, we get questions like this all the time, the differences between these two, because they're the most commonly covered on the board. So I think you had a couple of multiple choice questions. I'll go ahead and read it. We'll give the students a couple beats to answer it, and then I'll ask you for the answer. The first question here, which stage of the trans theoretical model indicates that overt changes have been made to change a behavior? And Stacy, what's our answer? So our, our answer is going to be action. And in this question, I gave choices of pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, and action. But I wanted to point out in case that common question you mentioned earlier about maintenance, if that had been an answer choice, just something to kind of think about. The action stage, again, we talked about it reflecting a consistent change in a behavior pattern and that it's the most visible stage. But if you're looking at sustaining situations, I think in this particular case, in this particular question, if it had mentioned something about sustaining, then that would be a good indicator cue for it being maintenance. Yeah. Okay. And I want to comment as well. The key word here was overt. So this phrase, overt changes, indicates that it's a new change for the patient. It's not something they've sustained over a long period of time. It's something new that we're noticing, and that indicates the action stage. Great. One more question. I'll read the answer choices this time. I totally blanked on that. Which behavior change model theorizes that for change to happen, People must feel threatened by their current behaviors and believe that a change will result in a valued outcome. We have A, health belief model, B, trans theoretical model, C, community readiness model, and D, cognitive behavioral model. So which theorizes that for change to happen, people must feel threatened by their current behaviors and believe that a change will result in a valued outcome. And Stacey, what's our answer? So our answer is A, the health belief model. And again, our word from this question is believe that it changed. There's a, there's a couple clues in here just mm-hmm. that, you know, we've got the feeling of threatened and believe that a change will result in valued outcomes. But there you have that belief. And so that comes with our health belief model. Some of those other Options like the trans theoretical model. Again, that's our stages. It uses stages of change. And then we've just kind of thrown in some other models and there are so many. It's really hard to memorize them all, but the community readiness model, that, the word community, that just tells you it's going to deal with large populations and big groups. Right. And there's nothing in the question that mentions um, communities. And then a cognitive behavior model is actually one that just is based on the relapse process. So 
but there's our health belief and our belief for change. Okay. This was awesome, Stacey. Thank you so much. I learned a lot in this episode and I think it'll be great for the students as well. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Stacey, we'd love to have you back again for another episode. And until next time, everybody have a great week. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody. This is your co-host, Amanda, with a quick announcement. Have you looked at our VIP package yet? This has everything you need to help pass your national board exam. Whether you live in the United States, Canada, or really anywhere, our VIP package has something for everybody. We have recorded lectures, live lectures, curated and calibrated content made just for you to help you pass. Visit us today at studentrdh.com to sign up and for more information. See you next time.